Hi and welcome to the Courageous Mama podcast. It's lovely to have you with me today. My heart for this podcast is to empower, equip and encourage us on this fabulous, enormous, sometimes exhausting and scary yet rewarding journey of parenting. Today I'm chatting to my friend Jane Clements Yap about personality types so we can understand our children better. She's got a wealth of knowledge having used the Myers-Briggs tool in her corporate background but her real calling is applying it relationally. So she left the corporate world and trained as a Myers-Briggs consultant and she presents to large groups and does small workshops and sees people individually. So I was really grateful to spend time with her and ask her to apply it to us here at The Courageous Mama so we can glean some insights for our parenting. Knowing ourselves and knowing our children is so helpful on our journey to understanding them and helping them to understand themselves. It enables us to play to our strengths, to know why our children sometimes react the way that they do, say the things that they do, feel the things that they do. So this week, we're not unpacking the whole of Myers-Briggs, that's far too big, and we couldn't do it in this short time frame. But we are chatting about one slice of it, extrovert versus introvert. It's the one that gave me a revelatory insight into why I was draining one of our children and my husband. So I'm an advocate for gaining little insights because they can be life changing and they have been for us. So come and meet my friend Jane. I started by asking her, what is Myers-Briggs? Sure, yeah, so Myers-Briggs, it's a personality type model which is denoted by four letters. There are 16 different types, but and each type has got four letters. There's the in, extrovert-introvert, is the first dimension, and then sensing-intuitive, right. and, and the letters are S or N. Yeah. The third dimension is thinking or feeling yep. denoted by T on F. Yeah. And then the fourth one is judging or perceiving J or P. And so those are the eight letters and the whole combination of those letters give you the 16 different types. Yeah, okay. So you're not dealing with 16 letters, you're dealing with 16 different possibilities. That's right. Okay. For example, my Myers-Briggs type is E S T J. Okay. Right. E stands for extrovert. Mm -hmm. S for sensing. Mm -hmm. T for thinking, and J for judging. Now Myers Briggs, it's based on work that was done by a psychologist, Carl Jung. Okay. Um, no, it was based on Jung. Yeah, 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 based on you. But it was expanded and made into a practical way of looking at it by a mother and daughter, Isabel Myers, and her daughter Catherine, who married somebody Briggs, and she became Catherine Briggs. So, I'm very tempted to go off down a bunny hole, which is that I find the J for judge mm -hmm. really off-putting, because mm -hmm. I am a J. Mm-hmm. But it leaves you feeling like you're a judgmental person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that at all, does it? It doesn't. I think the titles, actually, the words that are used can be confusing. Yeah. Because, as you say, if you say you're a judging type, yes. 
in the Myers-Briggs sense, people think that you're going to judge them as soon as you meet yes. them. And I, I'm often the same with the extrovert and introvert. People in the English language think that extrovert means that you're some big, gregarious person yes. that's loud. And if you're an introvert, you're shy. It isn't about that. We can go on and explain what it does mean, but yes. that's what it doesn't mean. And the same with the sensing and intuitive that people um, can think using the English definition that sensing means that you have common sense um, and no intuition. Oh, that's into I'd have gone down the sensitive Route. And it could be. Yeah. People think you're sensitive right. if you're sensing. But it, it again, it's not about no. being sensitive or whether you've got common sense or whether you're intuitive. The definitions are quite different. So it's quite important to understand what's behind them all. It, it is. Rather than coming to the conclusion of what you might think it means because of our English definitions of the words. Yeah. We are going to jump into E and I. Mm. But before we do, I'm just quite interested to ask you do people say to you oh no don't box me mm. yeah mm. what would you say to that person yes I do get that often yeah that people don't want to box and you know I can totally understand it we none of us want to be boxed and none of us really want somebody else to think they know you when they don't yes yes and so it, it can be quite a difficult thing and I would say it's not boxing you it's just getting an understanding of how I as a person will react to circumstances and how somebody else will react very differently to them Mm. and so it's not boxing you as such I'm not saying that you will definitely be in this box and actually we can all behave differently yes for sure we all learn Yeah. how to do things the opposite way. Yeah. But Myers-Briggs actually gives you an understanding of how you would react naturally or how you behave naturally. And if we play to our strengths, we will find we have a lot more energy for tackling the difficult tasks or the difficult things that come our way. Yeah. And so it's, it's not boxing somebody it's just helping them to understand what's called their preference i liken it to writing your signature or writing everybody has a preference that most people are either right-handed or left-handed you do get the odd few that you know can write with both but i'm right-handed and if i write with my left hand it takes a lot more effort that's a really good analogy yes yes and so i can do it it takes a lot more effort, it takes a lot more time, and at the end of it, I feel more exhausted than just yeah. writing with my right hand. Yeah. And so Myers-Briggs is really about our preferences. Mm. And I have found it really helpful. I mean, we've had, we've had chats over the years, and, you know, I've got my head around a little bit of it, and I find it makes me more compassionate to my family members, you know, mm. to my husband, if mm. I think, yeah, of course, you're drained. Because, mm. you know, we've done that today, whereas actually I'm, you know, mm. I'm all refueled. So mm. it, it really helps me to be a more compassionate version of myself. Yeah, that's lovely. Understand this sort of thing. It's good, mm. isn't it? Mm. So let's jump into E and I. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you explain those two? Mm. Let me um, just read a short story about two children. Is that okay? Yep. 
Fantastic. So, Lisa and Barry had always imagined their children would be small versions of themselves. Oh, yes, you so do. <laughs> Talkative, friendly and active. Practical and down-to-earth people, Lisa and Barry essentially took each day as it came. They were busy, responsible and hard-working and had a variety of friends and interests, which they eagerly anticipated sharing with their children. But to their amazement, Claire, their first child, was quiet, pensive and reserved. As she got older, she became clever and observant, capable of detecting the tiniest flaw in her parents and sending them reeling with questions about everything. Lisa and Barry felt they were out of their league with this child. She seemed so oddly independent. Then came Bobby. And the world shifted on its axes again. Whereas Claire was serious and self-contained, Robbie was an impulsive clown. Robbie cried for attention, while Claire played independently for hours. Claire questioned every rule and every limit, while Robbie was responsive and eager to please. Claire somehow seemed older than her years, an old soul, some said to her parents. Whereas Robbie was boisterous, the life of the party, excitable, talkative and funny. Lisa and Barry were mystified. Their kids were quite different from them and so nearly opposite from one another that Lisa and Barry were often at a loss as to how to parent them. Guidance that worked with one child only seemed to make matters worse in the same situation with the other child. Brilliant. Yes, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to having children that were just so very different from what you expected and so different from each other. And so different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and we found that with our two children. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah we did, yeah. Yeah, very different. So explain yes. to us what was going on in that story there. Yeah, so in that story, Claire was more of an introvert child more independent quiet wanting time on her own whereas Robbie her brother was more of the extrovert he was boisterous he wanted to be out out with the party with other people and that is how they were finding they re-energize themselves so the introvert extrovert dimension or in Myers-Briggs it's called dichotomy Mm. is that the extrovert finds their energy from being with people so if an extrovert were to spend all day with people in a large office as I I was in a a large office for most of my career at the end of the day I still enjoyed being with people Mm. Um, and I would feel re-energized so I I would be quite happy to go out and spend time with people Mm. whereas the, the introvert if they spend the whole day with a lot of people often they might want to go to their room or just spend a little bit of time on their own Mm. to re-energize conversely i there was a friend of mine and her husband was an introvert and he found that when he had his own business and working at home alone he then had energy at the end of the day to spend with her 
So that that was probably quite a good career choice for him then. That was a good career choice. So I mean, that's another way of yeah. looking at it with with our careers, and and with children. So a child that is at school in a big class, mm. then come homework. The extrovert child would probably be quite comfortable in doing their homework in a busy room. Right, maybe in the course, kitchen yes, that, yeah. you know because there's things going on around them mm. whereas the introvert child would probably find it much more helpful to do their homework alone mm. in, in a quiet room to re- re-energize and actually even the introvert at the end of a school day probably does need some downtime before mm. they do their homework i mean i know people aren't at school at the moment but this is a <laughs> sort of you know all things being equal scenario isn't mm. it they can come home really depleted can't they they can introverts they can yeah. yeah absolutely you're right and it might be if they are low on energy as you say it would be really helpful for them to have some time on their own before they do the homework because they might be too drained mm. to actually focus on that work so giving them the time to do whatever it is that they enjoy doing reading or you know might be an instrument that they play or something on their own Mm. just just to re-energize to fill their batteries and by the same token I mean I have a child who's an introvert and I this was my introduction to Myers-Briggs and it was so life-changing for me to learn this that it sort of turned everything on its head because we are all extroverts my husband and one of my children and so we moved at the pace of the herd and there was just this one child who would kick off and you'd get the sort of worst version of him and it wasn't till someone introduced me to this that I thought oh my goodness it's that simple he just needs space so what he hated doing after school activities Mm. he hated doing any form of sort of you know what it is with your mm. kids you think well try a bit of this try a bit of that and mm. my dad was dragging him down to do some judo and everyone thought he should do something and <laughs> then there was this revelation that actually mm. after a full day at school he was so peopled out mm. I mean he, he was home educated for a lot of his school years so I'm talking about in the senior years mm. I was much more realistic about how much people time he could take mm. yeah yeah that that is so true and um, well done you for well, noticing it's a it. happy discovery that I mean we actually noticed it much younger and it was on a Sunday and so we'd go to church in the morning there were about 250 kids at church and it was always quite a wild time and then we'd have people over for Sunday lunch and that's mm. when he would kick off and I think why mm. do you display your worst behaviour when we've got the table full of people and I realised he just came home after church and after church immediately after church there would always be coffee time and they all run around or kick a football around then he just needed his room, he needed his cave time. Mm. So that was the great revelation time. But as he got older and, you know, you sort of think you should be introducing him to extracurriculars, I was realising that actually that's not going to work for him at all. So it's really helpful knowing it. Life-changing for them, actually. But in your story there, Robbie seems much more your classic extrovert type, didn't he? Because he was boisterous and he had those characteristics that, as you said earlier aren't necessarily part of extrovertism. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it is now. We'll take that. No, 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 that's, a very, that's a very good point, actually. That he, Yeah, he was, and that's not necessarily the case. So I would say for my husband, who is an extrovert, that he is definitely not boisterous, but he is energised from being with people. 
So yeah. we do have to, thank you for pointing that out, we do have to take that into consideration that it isn't necessarily the, the case that they are boisterous. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it does amaze me that Andrew, he, he work, works in an office all day and he's blissfully happy almost every evening to spend time with people. Having said that, he does have an hour's drive on his own. Ah, so he has his catch-up time. So there's the extreme of each end. Oh, of course. Yeah, there would be, wouldn't there? Yeah, so yeah. If, if you put a, a line along their paper and you have an extrovert at one end of the spectrum and an introvert at the other, very few of us are right at the end of each spectrum. Mm. Most of us are somewhere in between. Right. Um, and th- there is a, a questionnaire that you can take which will give you some indication. But it's much better just to talk about it as we are really to get an understanding. And it's interesting what you were saying about your your child that's the introvert, that he would play at Sunday school and he would play football. So it isn't that they can't. It's just, you know, if you are an introvert, you you are sociable, you can be sociable, but you will need to take that time out just to re-energise and as an extrovert you know I quite enjoy spending some time well I do enjoy spending time on my own um do you know reading or whatever uh and so I but I, I am energised from being with people yes and it's interesting isn't it how different we can be knowing ourselves is so helpful and I know there'll be people listening out there and they'll be thinking about their children and whether they're mm. introvert and extrovert but I do think it's brilliant to work yourself out and if you've got a partner to work your partner out. One mm. of the little catchphrases that's come up on the podcast over the last you know, couple of months is lead yourself. If you can lead yourself, you can lead others. And you can't lead yourself unless you know yourself, can you? And knowing yourself is essential. So I have worked out, I am an extrovert and I probably am a, quite a boisterous extrovert and I am married to an introvert. And that made a difference in our marriage because again when I realized this you know with one of my children I thought gosh I just expect Con to show up (laughs) (laughs) no matter what I've organized and arranged and it made me Mm. really stop and go okay we need some moments of the week where Mm. he really does just get his refresh time if you like so if you've got a child who is an extrovert or an introvert Mm. you know Mm. what sort of things should you look for Mm. what to look for in to identify yeah. yeah identifying it things like you described your child that they might kick off mm. there is an example in the book that that we're talking of of a couple who had children and one of their children was behaving in a way that you had described so all the family were extroverts and this one child was an introvert and so they used to have people around all the time and families and they found this one child used to hide under the table Mm. or they would retreat they might be behaving badly Mm. and sometimes they would or go to their room and they actually after some years decided that there was something wrong with the child oh wow and took them to see a psychiatrist and then the psychiatrist having chatted to them found out a little bit about them got the parents and the child to sit down and explained why this was and so that that is one way to to find out i mean one of the things that's occurring to me the children often end up just defaulting to whether the mother is an introvert or an extrovert is if the mother is the key carer so you often end up as a mum sort of towing your children along according to your preferences. Mm. So Mm. I was an extrovert Mm. and therefore we were out and about a lot. 
Whereas another mother might be an introvert and actually probably keep her children in more than perhaps the extroverts present might cope with. So it's being aware of that sort of thing, isn't it? Absolutely, that is so true. And I have seen that just as you've described that where the mother was the, an introvert and did exactly that, that they thought she thought it was good for the children to go to bed and rest after being at school and the activities that they did were very, very quiet ones, mm. not understanding mm. that, that her children needed the stimulation of mm. being with others. Mm. And of course there are a million reasons why a child is pressing about they might have mm. anxiety mm. over something mm. at school, but this is a good tool to hold in the mix, isn't it? And it say, is. have you thought of this? Could it, it be that the pace I move at isn't working? for my children and particularly if you've you've got lots of so with, with our five you know just assuming that everyone can run to the same program wow. is such a mistake isn't Gosh, it no. yeah i mean i realize there needs to be a family structure but mm. within that finding those mm. places where someone can be an extrovert and places where someone can be an introvert my mother used to make me practice the piano every night when I came home from school and I just wanted to go out and play with my friends because mm. if I was a bit drained from doing various things at school that I didn't <laughs> didn't particularly enjoy, the last thing I wanted to do was to spend an hour of my time playing the piano alone. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had understood then and my I mother know, known that know. maybe if she'd let me go out and play for an hour first, I might have been much more happy. Well, that's it, isn't it? It doesn't mean piano. you can't. Because no. actually you ended up being a, a decent pianist. Didn't you? But, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, but as you say, it, it doesn't mean you had to take the piano out. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, another area of the extrovert and introvert in a child or in an adult as well is extroverts tend to think and process externally. Oh, is that a correlation? Though? That is. Yeah. So you'll find a lot of extroverts will say something and then they'll think about it. And then they'll say it again in another way. Mm. And, and that is because they are thinking about what they want to say as they're talking. Yeah. So it all comes out, and yeah. often in a jumbled fashion. Yeah. Whereas the introvert will think about what they're going to say, and then they'll say what they feel they need to, and they'll often think about it afterwards and think, I hope that was said correctly. So when having discussions conversations with children the introvert is often slower at responding because they are considering what they are going to say an extrovert will often just come out and say it as Mm. it is and i would recognize that so an extrovert really needs to process out loud don't they they need to Mm. bounce things off Mm. and and often Mm. it's not the contribution of the listener that's the most helpful thing. It's them hearing themselves. It is. Speak, isn't it? It yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, introverts, they do say that if you can give introverts seven seconds for them to consider what's being said before they respond and don't interrupt, and with extroverts, just allow them seven seconds because they'll just continue to carry on (laughs) saying the same thing over and over again. And that is so true because, again, I can remember instances with my kids where I might ask a question and then they say nothing and I'm like going, hello, (laughs) which is just so rude. (laughs) But they're just 
processing. No processing. And knowing that was just revelatory mm. again. And the same with my husband. Mm. I'm like, are you listening to me? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just thinking. <laughs> seven seconds. That's great. Yes. And then cutting the extrovert off after seven seconds. <laughs> we sometimes need a little bit more than seven <laughs> seconds. Okay. Yeah, and most do carry on. You can't shut them up. <laughs> That's so true, me included. So what other traits would you attach to introverts and extroverts? So the introvert may wait before they get involved with things. So if you were take, to take them um, to an activity... Um, sports centre or something often they might just hold back because they're looking at what's happening and again processing it all internally Mm. of how they're going to fit in and and when they're going to do that so they may just be holding back um, before joining in would you say then that they're slower thinkers I mean that feels very generalising yeah, probably. I probably wouldn't say they're slower thinkers. No, mm. I mean, and they're often very highly intelligent. Mm. It's just that they they like to sort it out in their mind before mm. acting, and whether that's acting it out or whether that's speaking it out. So, does that mean they would find it harder to be in a fast-moving sports game? I mean, if they're very competent, no. Once they're joined in. Right, but it's just in. going into yeah, going into something um, possibly unfamiliar. Then they just need that little bit, just a little bit of time mm. to to give them the opportunity to assess the situation, mm. and then they'll be fine. And so, as a parent, is it helpful to just kind of get down to their level if they're small, or up to their level if they're tall, because <laughs> they can be from very young? <laughs> um, is it helpful to? just sort of get down to their level and say what does this look like to you how do you feel about this it's i mean it's always a good idea to to ask ask that um because that that really helps in for them to talk about how they feel yeah and and what what their need is Mm. so that is a helpful not not all children have that strong emotional development Mm. to know but it yeah i mean i would say that's a a good but it's part of Developing their emotional intelligence, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. So, yeah, very much so. Yes. And and observing them. And don't think that they are going to be mini you. Mm. Mini me. I know. That's so true, isn't it? Mm. And what sort of age do you think Mm. you start recognising what their inclinations are? Mm. Again, that's a very good question. And you often can see it from a very young age. You often find that babies... Um, the extrovert babies will respond quite quickly and they'll be smiling, uh, etc., uh, and engaging. Um, that's not always the case, but that usually is the case. That's, that's a bit of an indication that they might be. Before seven, they're still developing. And because it's a spectrum of you can be a very strong extrovert and a very strong introvert, the stronger your preference, the more obvious it is from an earlier age. Mm. But by the age of seven, you would know. Right, you could probably work them out. You, you could work them out then yeah, because you'd have watched their, their behaviour. So they do say by the age of seven, you would know. I have known children where that hasn't been the case. Mm. And I have observed that often it's one parent who is quite dominant and has 
almost force their personality onto their children and force them to behave the way they behave thinking that is the best way to do it right and so the child has taken on the personality type of the parent and that's complex isn't it? and that's that becomes very complex yeah yes mm. so if a child is allowed to be themselves you will know by the age of seven mm. so are your girls introverts or extroverts? So that's, yes, they're both extroverts. However, we did think, the youngest, when she was younger, we did think that she was an introvert. She was displaying introvert qualities in that she used to spend quite a lot of time or enjoy spending quite a lot of time on her own in her bedroom. And so we fostered that and encouraged it. Mm. Um, but it, that was probably born out of other things that was happening in her life right and why she was behaving that way okay you know she'd come into a, a new family yeah yeah um and you know which which is difficult for all children and so it you know we do have to be wary that we don't box people yeah. you know we sport, spoke about boxing people yeah. that we don't actually box people because there might be some underlying reason why they're behaving in a particular way yes a there's the life context isn't there and b as you explained there are also the other factors of myers briggs that might also put a slant on one particular aspect of absolutely it. yeah and it is observing over time because a child might behave in one way Mm. Um, and and a different way another time one other way of um, sort of maybe observing a child's behavior and to see whether they fall into one preference or the other is on concentration oh okay so you may find that your child can concentrate on lots of things going on at the same time and they like variety so they like to have lots of different toys going happening and and they'll move oh, and yes. and that's more of the extroversion type child and the introvert would be more comfortable concentrating on one i hadn't noticed that but i'm relating that now of course as a mother back to yes Mm. absolutely one of mine would sit for hours and draw mm. whereas the other might have you know moved from dolls to puzzles to mm. yeah mm. oh that's so interesting any mm. other tips and hints <laughs> um, well even the thoughtful so the introvert might be more thoughtful more private in their their thoughts they say about you know expressing them and the, and the extrovert would be a bit, bit more expressionful and that's interesting because I've got among my five what I would call an introvert extrovert is that's an expression isn't it or have I made that up Go on, carry on well he is thoughtful mm -hmm. and private mm -hmm. but he is also someone who is refreshed and regenerated by company okay and probably really enjoys one-on-one -on -one company and and mixed company actually so he would be harder to call I would say he's an extrovert because there are more indicators to that side. But definitely he's mm. a, a pensive and thoughtful person at the mm. same time. So, mm. No, I think that's really helpful, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's not that many people that will show yeah. all, all the indicators of yeah. one or the other. Right. That we are a mixture, you know, yes. saying that there's the extreme, but we're all somewhere in between. Yeah. And so, you know, that I'm glad you've, you know, it's really good that you pointed that out, that you will find that 
they will fall into one side even if it's only just a little bit in that yeah. way yeah which is why it's fair to say you're not boxing people there no. might be 16 types but in the end there are billions of people on the planet mm. and we all vary along each spectrum absolutely it's just and a useful tool it is a really useful tool we've just talked about the first dimension there are the other three dimension and all the uh, the other letters and actually it's bringing those in that you then get a picture of your child yes so yes. we're just looking at one we're just looking at one, one aren't we so we haven't got the, the sort of balancing factors brilliant and i just i find that so useful and i hope there's a mum out there who's going ah mm, <laughs> i'm I quite do. sure there will be so will you come back and explain some more of the myers-briggs love to, to. brilliant <laughs> so before i let you go there's mm. a question i always like to ask my guests Mm-hmm. what's a courageous thing because it's called the courageous mama the podcast mm-hmm. what's a courageous thing that you've done as a parent wow okay probably the most courageous thing is becoming one <laughs> in the sense that i married someone with two children yeah and i i you know in hindsight that was so courageous especially if it's fair for me to say, especially with their um, biological mother around. Right. So that, it you know, brings um, different challenges. And there are times when I feel I may be compared. Yeah. And that is really hard. Yes. And actually, all mothers are conscious of judgment, but of course, you have got that extra dynamic, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have. So uh, that's. Now, you said mm. looking back that was courageous. Mm. That leads me to ask you <laughs> was it a bigger leap than you realised? Yes. Yeah. Am I allowed to say yes? Yeah. So it, yes. I had. Yeah. I think I probably hadn't understood the challenges and the difficulties that it would bring yeah Mm. i wouldn't change it no no and fair enough i'm not hearing that do you think that's often the case though i look back at some of the challenges in my even starting a podcast and i think if i'd have known Mm. everything it involved across this many things in my life I'd have never started, you know, but I'm so glad I did sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah, wouldn't we all in so many areas as well? Thank goodness we do start them. Thank goodness we start, yeah. (laughs) Does it make you more conscious of how do I hold this family together? They've had one injury, you know, Mm. what do I put in place Mm. to ensure that doesn't happen again? Yes, yeah, absolutely, very very much so. I mean, I was very, very conscious of that when I was dating Andrew. I was very conscious that I didn't want to get too close to the children too soon because, you know, I didn't want to hurt them. Mm. You know, whatever the reasons for divorce, it does hurt Mm. the children. Mm. And so very conscious of that. And I I have a bookshelf which is full of parenting books because... (laughs) Mine included. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yours included, absolutely. Because it, it was just important for me to try to I get it on you. right. So you did I, a bit of research. I tried. I re- yeah. You must you have know. grown a huge amount in the last 10 years. Yes. Mm. I, and found so much about myself that I didn't know. 
Yes, yeah. Don't we all as a parent, I'm sure. Isn't she great? I love the way she explains it all in such simple terms. Did you find yourself or your partner or your children in among the character types? I know that I did. If you'd like to see what your Myers-Briggs profile is or understand yourself a little bit better or your kids, you can see the link in the show notes. Or to track Jane down, you'll also find her email address in the show notes. If you enjoy some of the things we cover on the podcast and if you're keen to enhance family life and you want to give your children a healthy self-esteem, I think you might like my book. If you love the idea of raising your children with freedom yet responsibility, a soft heart but great strength, a sense of adventure yet with self-control and kindness and confidence, I think you'll enjoy the book and it's available at a special price for you as a listener. As a parent coach, I've spoken to hundreds of parents over the years and found that they do want to glean information, but they don't always have time to pick up a weighty tome or trawl through lots of print as they hit the pillow at night. In fact, and you may relate to this, they say, I've got loads of parenting books gathering dust beside my bed. So I heard this and I also frequently heard after parenting talks, where's the book? And that's how the book Parenting for Life came to be. It's got all the tools for belonging and self-esteem, building trust and connection and putting and keeping boundaries in place without losing your relationship with your child. But this is what's a bit different about it too. It's beautiful. And I can say that because I didn't design it myself. The wonderful Ella Layton took all my hard work and she turned it into a beautiful, hardback, colourful, illustrated book. It's cleverly designed so that you can either read it cover to cover or chapter by chapter or you can just pick up one page and it'll give you something helpful for that day. It covers all the matters of the heart and matters of the brain. Yep, little nuggets of neurology in simple terms where relevant to understand the developing brain. But don't just take it from me. I'm going to play you a little review and then tell you how to pick it up at a great price. What I loved was one of the early chapters was you talked about having a vision for family life and it was just this real moment of, you know, in my career I've sat in so many meetings where we talk about having a vision, we have a vision for our team, a vision for organisation, vision for the church that I'm part of, but I have to confess it had never <laughs> occurred to me to go, actually what's our vision for family life? And it. It was one of those things that it seems so obvious when you said it, but that thing of what are, what are we aiming for? What do we want? And that's making space for that conversation. And so I was like, of course, why? Wow, how, how have we not thought of that? But something really, again, really practical, and that's what I like about the book. I, we can do that. We can sit down, and that will frame the way that we do do things differently, and it will shape things. And so I just found that really accessible, but really enlightening at the same time. So do come along to my website and get £5 off the book. So it's £15 including postage. And as a hardback book, it's priced at 19 99 on Amazon and at the Literature Festival and places where I present. But if you pop to my website, it's £15 to you at the Courageous Mama 
www.thisisthemoment.com and it's a lovely gift to give as well. It could be embarrassing, couldn't it, giving a parenting book, but this isn't because it's just a beautiful coffee table book. So I look forward to seeing you there and it's also where I put a little pricey of the podcast so if you found something interesting about introvert and extrovert today and you want that in print, pop over there and you can print it off or have a look at it or send it to a friend. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, do rate and review it and pass it to a friend. It encourages me greatly when you do and when I hear back from you. So thank you really for all of you who have contacted me and encouraged me and fed back what this podcast has done for you. It's so lovely to engage with you and hear how the podcast is enriching your family life. I'm easy to track down at thecourageousmama.com or on Instagram at thecourageousmama or on the email in the show notes. I look forward to meeting you in one of those places and to seeing you next week.